0: Welcome to On DoD on Federal News Network. Now, your host, Jared Serbu.
1: And thanks for being with us for this week's edition of On DoD. And apologies in advance, but we're going to talk about the pandemic again. This, though, I think is actually a really good news story. Um, By the time most folks hear this show, the DoD IT service offering called Commercial Virtual Remote will have been completely shut down. June 15th was the actual sunset date. And as most of our listeners also know, I think CVR was the cloud-based collaboration platform the DOD CIO's office stood up at the beginning of the pandemic so people could telework. And it was really just an implementation of Microsoft Teams, more or less out of the box. But but the way the whole department pulled it off really was extraordinary. You might think extraordinary is an overstatement because after all, pretty much every organization found a way to move to remote work And sure, fair enough, we all did, but we're not all the Defense Department. DOD is not famous for getting IT done quickly, and it did get CVR up and running really within a few weeks. And by a few months after that, it managed to get it to a point where more than 2 million people were using it and actually liking it. Again, that is not a thing DOD is famous for in the IT space. If any of our listeners can think of an example of the entire department converging around any kind of enterprise IT solution before now, I'd love to hear other ones it's totally possible i'm forgetting something but to the best of my knowledge this really is a huge first in terms of that department-wide enterprise adoption and it is hopefully not a one-off dod thinks it's learned a lot from this so to talk about some of those lessons we're glad to have with us danielle metz she's the deputy dod cio for information enterprise her team was responsible for standing up CVR and helping to move the military services and defense agencies to what are now going to be some longer term solutions, also in commercial cloud spaces, and they'll also do a lot more than what CVR did. Ms. Metz, thanks for doing this, and, and, and I think I'd like to start all the way at the beginning of the pandemic, so, so take us back to that March 2020 period and, and maybe just walk us through that early process of figuring out that something like this was going to be a requirement and how you got it done so quickly.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, uh, in March, we were anticipating that there was going to be a need for us for the department to do maximum telework and doing a quick assessment of the landscape, recognizing that just about all of our collaboration and office suite productivity capabilities were designed and implemented for, um, our workforce to be inside the building. And if we were going to have remote work, we didn't have the capabilities in place to allow and to afford that, um, Remote work, and so what we wanted to do was avoid the shadow gray IT space that would have cr- been created. You know, extraordinary times uh, allows for ingenuity, uh, and people would figure something out. And we just did not want to have that type of sprawl. So we partnered with Microsoft uh in terms of the fact that we had uh, a number of contracts we had a well-established infrastructure with microsoft and through that partnership and our um, amazing engineers within the DoD cio and the cloud computing program office uh, we were able to identify um, using microsoft teams standalone in their commercial environment so we were able to carve out a tenant for the department and um, this is where everything gets different for the department. So we didn't bring everyone in and say, what are your requirements? We knew what the basic requirements were and we knew that we needed to have incremental capability out there quickly and a a mechanism and a process to be able to spiral in and continually build upon. So that's thing one that was different as a significant lesson learned that we're actively applying now. Thing two is typically um, each of the organizations wants to have for themselves, And we could not afford to do that, not from a cost perspective, but in a expediency speed perspective. So the uh, tenant within CVR is just one. And so it's your first name dot, your last name dot ctr at cvr.mil. So everybody has that handle. Um, And that allowed for the provisioning of accounts to go so quickly. So those are the two major things that we had, and the fact that we had existing contracts, so we didn't have to go out and procure, we were able to to leverage existing contracts to do a no cost uh, modification to to do that. The extraordinary pieces that we had to work on were, this was a significant change, just about everyone was out of the building, so the coordination and collaboration had to happen on the phone, (laughs) which was challenging at best, Um, and figuring out how to improve our business processes in real time to be able to deliver this out. So we created these um, champions within each of the organizations. These were uh, individuals that were either tech savvy or interested in wanting to um, rise up to the challenge and be the voice for their organization to help um, the the rest of their teammates figure out how to migrate to, to CVR. Um, so we really leveraged this champion program within the MILDAPs, within the defense agencies field activities and the OSD components. Um, And the key ingredient to all this was this constant collaboration, having syncs, whether if it was via phone and once we had CVR stood up the uh, team's channels to be able to exchange information, collaborate, really have these engine rooms of um, incredibly talented, uh, smart people figuring out these gnarly challenging problems. And I think all of that was really what CVR afforded for us to be able to move out quite quickly. So in 60 days. Is when we were able to have about 2.3 million for the department, which is unheard of even for Microsoft.
1: Yeah, um, that that champions uh, program is interesting to me. That that makes it sound a little bit more collaborative between the defense components than I think I realized. Can Can you say a little bit more about what those champions actually did? As As you said, they're not sitting in there defining. Here's our requirements; you must meet them all. But But what what did they do?
2: So they were the ones who were empowered to represent their organizations. And when we held our um, daily sync meetings with all the champions, we were able to relay in real time information, user guides, uh, if there was fixes or anything like that. It was an open form of communication and dialogue between my team, the CCPO. Um, And those champions and they were able to proliferate that and promulgate that information out to their respective organizations. We also did early adopters uh, early on so within each of the organizations those champions were part of the early adopters so they were able to work and then create this white glove treatment for their respective uh, teammates so that they, when we did the mass migrations, if there was any issues or um, misunderstanding of things, instead of overwhelming a help desk, they were able to contact their specific champion. And I think those two aspects really worked out well in order for us to kind of streamline the migrations and to let us maximize um, that 60-day window so that we could provision those 2.3 million accounts.
1: As you said, you were able to get this cloud service up and running in that in that enclave within a few weeks, 60 days, up to more than two, two, 2.3 million users. As much of a triumph as that is, that's almost the easy part, right? Because as yes. you said, the, the networks were architected for everybody being in the building, and that fact didn't change. Overnight. In fact, I, I remember very distinctly a, a Navy message saying, You can't use this if you're on NMCI because yes. our networks won't support it. So, talk yeah. about that part of the heavy lifting in terms of getting the networks in shape to have people actually work offsite.
2: Yeah. So, I think the CVR piece really covered down on the collaboration and off uh, the collaboration piece and the ability to connect anywhere uh, on any device with anyone. Um, your point is absolutely. <laughs> spot on in terms of the the network, the bandwidth, our phone lines, um, the devices, our government furnished devices that needed to be um, deployed in order for our workforce to be able to work remote. We didn't have a lot of these things in place. And I think that the way that the DOD CIO was able to kind of commandeer and navigate through all this was the partnership that we had with the Mildep CIOs, DISA, NSA, US Cyber Command, staff j6 uh, the osd components so we did daily uh telework uh task force meetings uh it was chaired at the time by mr dc who was the the dod cio and sometimes these meetings would go on two three hours in the beginning so march was really rough uh march april and once we were able to get our processes in place we were able to to streamline a lot of these processes um, make the right uh, relationships with our strategic vendor partners, uh, you started to see the trend lines tick up, whether if it was um, network upgrades that were taking place um, fairly rapidly, the bandwidth, up, bandwidth upgrades, our ability to make sure that we had robust uh, telephone services, Uh, JSP here in the Pentagon was incredibly clever in figuring out how to um, provide government furnished equipment instead of bringing people in. They created um, kind of drop-off points in the Pentagon slug lanes. So it was honoring the fact that we had a pandemic. We were trying to um, deal with the COVID-19 restrictions to social distancing, but there was still a need to um, be able to provide and provision these, uh, these physical devices. And so it got very clever quick in terms of how to do this and really to be able to kind of nurture that uh, creativity was having these types of forums to bring everyone together and to collectively work on problems and collectively try to solve those problems
1: how differently do you think this process would have gone if it if it were more of a actually what i had in my head dod cio inventing and providing the service and just saying here components, use it if you want. How, how how differently would this process have gone? I assume the answer is it would have been worse, but how much worse?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that the, uh, the driving force um, and the reason why DOD CIO is the one who came up with this idea of working with Microsoft was that we had this extraordinary situation that really highlighted a priority where everything else kind of softened in the background. And so it was a rallying cry for everyone to come together and say, we do need help in terms of figuring out how we're going to get collaboration tools um, to our remote workforce so that they could use their personal devices, which is something that we've never allowed before, government furnished uh, devices, and that you can talk to whomever, not only within the department, which is kind of a game changer, um, but to our federal uh, partners, sponsoring whole of government, as well as to um, our mission partners uh, internationally. Um, I think the other key thing was that this wasn't mandated. It was an option. We recognized that there was other collaboration tools. And so not everyone used CBR. It was an option to use CBR, But it was kind of like this organic type groundswell. When it started getting really good with CBR, that you were able to do all these things, word got out, more and more people started actually using it to the point where then that became a tipping point for the department to recognize, we need to figure out how to be able to deliver IT and re- redesign our IT so our workforce can use it regardless of where they are. So they're not tethered to a work location or their workstation. Um, and so those are some of the goodness that you're seeing in terms of how we are um, creating our uh, enduring solution of DoD 365 cloud environment with the ability in a s- more secure way to be able able to uh, eventually connect anywhere with anyone on any device in our DOD 365 cloud environment.
1: Yeah. And you brought up that sort of sudden need for people to be able to work on personal devices and GFE. You're not going to get 2.3 million CAC readers out to the field very quickly. So how much innovation did you have to do around the identity and credentialing space to to make this work? And does any of that carry forward into future projects?
2: So for the CVR piece, because it was on a commercial environment, uh, what we were able to do is work with the DoD CISO. We were able to create um, a security posture um, and some uh, exceptions to policy. And so we have multi-factor authentication, um, not necessarily CAC for, to be able to do CVR. The CVR is just Microsoft Teams. Um, so, and talking about that. Uh, moving forward, those are exactly what we're working on in partnership with DOT and e and US Cyber Command, uh, doing a number of pilot efforts with red teaming. Um, really taking to heart the fact that we need to have this continual testing to inform decisions so that we can spiral out those incremental capabilities. And that's what's been happening in the backdrop as the forefront has been CVR for the past year. Now, CVR is going to sunset uh, June 15th, and in its place we'll have DoD 365, um, where we have roughly about 80% of the department's workforce already migrated into that environment. We'll continue to rapidly migrate the the rest. And then on top of that, we have a good handle of capabilities already in that environment with the pathway to be able to continue to spiral uh, additional capabilities.
1: Danielle Metz is the Deputy DOD Chief Information Officer for Information Enterprise. Short break here and we'll come back and talk more about the lessons learned from DOD's commercial virtual remote project and what's next for cloud-based collaboration across the department. This is On D.O.D. on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbu. Back on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is On D.O.D. I'm Jared Serbu. And we're talking this week with Danielle Metz, the Deputy D.O.D. Chief Information Officer for Information Enterprise, as we've been discussing, the department has just recently shut down the service it called Commercial Virtual Remote. That platform was a quick-turn implementation of Microsoft Teams that DoD put in place right at the beginning of the pandemic to help get millions of its users through the need to work from home. We're talking about lessons learned for enterprise IT from that big project. You mentioned this was, and it always was, an optional service. Some people did use Zoom, Cisco, other other things. But my my impression was the vast majority of the department's workforce was on CVR and teams. One of the incredible things about it to me is I think it's the first time I can remember the entire department converging around a single enterprise solution for anything. And I I wonder, is is that mostly just because nobody had time in the beginning to roll their own? Or were there other cultural factors starting to come together that that made military departments and defense agencies more accepting of, of big enterprise solutions like this?
2: I really think that it it was the extraordinariness of the situation with that pandemic, and it was a feeling of we only can do this once for all instead of each one of us trying to figure out how to do for ourselves, um, which is typically when we have time, the luxury of time, that's our default. Um, the experience of CVR has shown that, you know, uh, working together as an enterprise really does work and it's the best for the department because, you know, particularly as we try to on our journey to become more joint across the board and um, really harness the goodness that it, uh, in the pockets of excellence that we have, if we're able to bring all that, that together and be able to figure out those common challenges for many instead of individually trying to have to figure it out, you save so much in time you are able to get speed of capability to the warfighter. And that's really what this is all about.
1: How challenging was budgeting for this? The, the last number I heard was you were on the order of $100 million per six months if you were going to keep this going, which probably means you spent north of $100 million in the first year. It's not easy necessarily to come up with that kind of money in the year of execution. Was that difficult?
2: Uh, Yes, (laughs) when you talk about any of those numbers, yes it is. Uh, For the first uh, six months, it was a no-cost extension, um, and it was something from March to September, and working with partnership with Microsoft, as well as when Congress enacted the the CARES Act and the ability for the department to reprioritize dollars, we were able to do a nine-month extension to CVR, which was about $100 million. some of the additive costs that we had in the original March to September uh, 2020 timeframe was that we paid for um, uh, cyber defenders to be able to defend and monitor the CVR environment because we take cybersecurity so seriously. And so it was a partnership with our um, cybersecurity service provider, C5ISR, um, that was the, the, the CCSP for for CVR. Uh, and... All of the work that they've done to be able to defend that environment is going to translate into how we defend the DoD 365 cloud environment. But what um, what this showed in terms of um, CVR proper was that we knew that this was a standalone capability. It was just Microsoft Teams. Um, it was in the aisle to the commercial environment. So it had limitations because that was by design because it was fitting a very specific need. The DoD 365 cloud environment goes for the totality of our controlled unclassified information, is an integrated um, collaboration office suite productivity. So Teams, uh, Outlook, all the Microsoft uh, applications, et cetera. um, With the additional security that we didn't necessarily have in CVR, just because it was an extraordinary circumstance and by default ended up being temporary because we knew that we weren't going to be in this extraordinary circumstance um, for a very long time
1: on the transition to 365 i know you said 80 of of the target workforce is already there what's your read on how ready all of the military departments and DISA and the agencies are to completely take over and, and spin up the full 365 suite and support everybody they need to
2: we continue the collaboration um so all of the blueprint that we did for cvr is what we're applying here in dod365 the differences are that we have a federated approach so each service has their own tenant dis is responsible for our defense agencies field activities and a number of combatant commands um the dod cio with us cyber command created uh what i'll call enterprise standards um and um parameters in order for the tenant owners to be able to, to have enough trace space to be able to address any uniqueness based on their user populations. But really the guiding principles of cybersecurity, interoperability, user functionality, and cost affordability, those are our four main thrusts in terms of making sure that this integrated environment federated environments going to work we also um, designed and implemented this global directory service this is our enterprise identity management and authentication for the cloud Uh, and this is really how we're able to stitch together all the tenants to create that interoperability Um, and that's what we enjoyed in cvr and now that is what we're trying to replicate with this federated approach
1: And as you start to move from something that really truly is a DOD wide enterprise service to something that is more federated, do you lose any of the enterprise goodness, whether that's economies of scale or ease of collaboration or anything else?
2: Well, we have been fortunate in terms of having the Defense Enterprise um, Office Solution BPA. So a number of the Office 365 licenses the minimum mandatory cybersecurity baseline tools that we have, um, most of the DoD was able to use DoS. We have Microsoft Jello three, and then the Navy was able to use their uh, Microsoft ESI. So we have been able to garner um, efficiencies of scale from a contracting perspective, as current Microsoft integrate you know Microsoft contracts, and uh, we can onboard those to either DoS or to the, uh, to the Navy piece, but the preference is to the DO. So we are maximizing from that perspective. I think the more challenging piece is the fact that now we have more tenants in the space. We really have to work hard to what I'll call manufacture the ability to have um, seamless interoperability and collaboration. It was easier in one, um, but even when presented some security issues, we currently have 13 tenants now 13 is probably not the right amount. And I think over time we'll be able to optimize that to a more reasonable number. And so I, th- I think that there is a commitment from um, the military services through DISA realizing that now that we're in the cloud, This is shared space. Even though you have your own individual tenants, a risk to one is a risk to all. And so there is a complete understanding in terms of a a continued partnership with their service cyber components under US Cyber Command and Joint Force Headquarters Doden, um, and the continued partnership with DOD CIO and uh, the MILDEP CIOs.
1: Danielle Metz is the Deputy DOD CIO for Information Enterprise. Another short break, we'll talk more about how CBR helped accelerate some of the military service's other plans for moving collaboration to the cloud. Back in just a moment on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is On DoD. I'm Jared Serviv. Thanks for listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is On DoD. I'm Jared Serbu. As we get back to our discussion with Danielle Metz, the Deputy DoD Chief Information Officer for Information Enterprise. We're talking about the recent shutdown of the DoD-wide implementation of Microsoft Teams called Commercial Virtual Remote. And as we've been discussing, the military services and defense agencies are all moving on to more long-term Office 365 implementations in the cloud. That'll do a lot more than CVR did. There's been a push from from you and your predecessors for, gosh, I want to say 10 years to try to get everybody into even just a federated environment, even just for email across the entire department. You're basically there now. How, how much did the pandemic and everybody loving CVR so much push that entire project to the left? I mean, how much longer would it have taken without this crisis?
2: I mean, it's really hard to prove a negative, but I think that, you know, over the past I don't know how long I've been doing this, a while though, Um, my entire career has been um, based on the fact that I wanted to do enterprise and to provide for a a more joint DOD workforce. Um, And the ability to be able to have, um, to present the department with all of our uh, employees as um, to be able to get to that Purchasing power and to be able to kind of set some terms with the industry in terms of what is important to the department, what's important for a warfighter to get those capabilities. I think we're starting to finally realize that. And it's also um, quite helpful for other federal agencies to to see what the DOD has gone through and the fruits of our labor and try to replicate that with their own. specific office suite productivity journeys that they're on. And we've had a really great, I'll be remiss to say, we've had a really great partnership with GSA. Um, they're the ones who are the contracting officer for, uh, for DOs. They've done yeoman's work in terms of being able to issue out those task orders for about 35 uh, DOD components to purchase um, our um, the different uh, capabilities that we needed to put in place for DOD 365. And they did that in incredibly short order. So a lot of amazing people have done some incredible things that are really our unsung heroes you never get to hear about. But they're the reason why we are successful. So it was a great partnership with GSA, and it shows that we do have a whole government uh, thing working really well. You just never see it, but it's happening. <laughs>
1: That's great. Uh, do, you, do you have any good sense yet, any solid estimates on the extent to which this, this whole 365 project gets you out of government infrastructure, shuts down data centers, and what kind of the balance of costs is there between – cost savings and no longer running data centers and paying for software licenses.
2: Yeah, I think this is a dream for us to be able to have software as a service for our office suite productivity. And this is going to be the uh, the gold standard for that. You know, in the background, we have a lot of other reform activities, really focused on our defense agencies field activities uh, led um, with DOD CIO and DISA's implementing it, but really rationalizing the footprint of our physical data centers and moving um, those applications and uh, work systems to targeted cloud environments or decommissioning so that we can shut down those uh, data centers. So I think we're on a really good path. It takes a long time and part of it is the reason why we've had fits and starts, not just within the department, but across the federal government, is that it's really difficult to understand what your inventory is. So you have to take the time to understand wh- where your systems are, what your data centers look like, do a wholesale assessment, create your strategy and your uh, implementation plan, and then execute. And that takes time. It takes a lot of time. For the example that I did for the defense agencies field activities, that took about two years, but we are um, rapidly approaching 95% of our targets um, by the end of this summer, and that is that's incredible so we have a way forward to be able to do this, it just takes uh, perseverance from leadership and the vision to, to stick to um, to that vision.
1: And just to be clear, you, you feel like you're at a point now where in the very near term, you're going to start to see actual payback from divestment of those those physical assets like data centers.
2: Yeah, I think that not necessarily paybacks, but we would be able to reprioritize our dollars so that we can do uh, build uh, applications natively in the cloud, that we can do software modernization activities. So I think it's really not a savings in so much as it's a reprioritization. So we don't have to stick with old. We can sunset, we don't have to do um, sustainment on old vulnerable legacy type things. And we were able to, as we stand those down, reinvest those dollars to uh, more modern uh, software uh, modernization principles.
1: Um, Let's talk some more about lessons learned. I mean, just zooming out from CVR itself, what, what did that whole project you think teach both the DOD CIO's office and the department writ large culturally about how to do big complicated IT projects?
2: I think the first one was the fact that it's it's all about collaboration. It's all all about the people. It's not the technology. It's the people, and if you're able to bring your um, all the smart people into the room, listen, create an environment into which that we can have honest, open dialogue to be able to tackle these really difficult problems. Everyone understands the mission. You just gotta give them the ability to be able to execute. And I think um, the leadership that we had with DoD CIO, um, the MILDAP CIOs, DISA, and Cyber Command really allowed for the um, those really smart people to come together, provide solution sets, we partnered with the um, with the testers to be able to test those out and then implement in kind. And I think the other big thing that I believe CVR showed was we really have to think about the fact that we're not going to be hundred percent in the building always. Um, we have to be able to figure out how we can uh, allow our workforce to execute their mission safely and securely, regardless of where they are. And that's, that's a, to me, that is a fundamental shift in how we think about um, and talk about and deliver IT.
1: I've heard kind of anecdotally from some civilian agencies that some of the investments they made in remote work in the early days were things that they now feel like kind of locked them into a particular technology and isn't necessarily the direction they would have gone long term. Is any of that the case for DoD in terms of expanding the bandwidth and all the circuitry that you had to do or maybe investing in in GFE that had to go out to individual places? or, Or are you generally able to make use of or reinvest all of the stuff that you did in those early days?
2: I think so. And I think right now, you know, many DOD leaders are looking at um, how we're going to bring people back to work and if we're going to have this hybrid model and the ability to have the networks being robust, the bandwidth, um, the, the GFEs that are already provisioned, the office suite productivity and collaboration capabilities where you can do the full complement of our work, regardless of where you are affords DOD leadership the ability to be able to make those types of decisions. We have the footprint, um, and so it's it should not matter where your workforce is located. Um, they will be able to, to execute their mission safely and securely. So I think generally, overall, um, we did a really good job in terms of addressing the immediate problem and then laying the groundwork for us to be able to have that flexibility um, in the future. And that really allows us to be able to be more open-minded for uh, future challenges instead of just being locked into yesterday's problems.
1: Talking with Danielle Metz, the deputy DOD CIO for Information Enterprise. She's back with us for another few minutes after one more break. This is on DOD on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Servio. Back on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, this is On DOD. I'm Jared Serbu. A few more minutes with Danielle Metz, the Deputy DOD Chief Information Officer for Information Enterprise. We're talking about the recent shutdown of the Microsoft Teams instantiation, DoD set up for millions of its employees during the pandemic. What DoD learned from the project, and what comes next? Uh, sticking on lessons learned, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that that one of the things that you're applying now is is the need and the ability to get incremental capability out there iteratively and and on a regular basis. In what in what other areas are you applying that lesson?
2: So we've. Um... One for the DoD 365 cloud environment is a, is a great example of that. But overall, uh, DoD CIO is partnered with ANS and RNE um, in terms of our software modernization strategy, and we're evolving the DoD cloud strategy to software modernization. So it, it is a wholesale look in terms of the technical enablers and the business processes to be able to transform everything in order to optimize for us to have speed and uh, to be able to get quality uh capability to the hands of the warfighter at the speed of relevance and a lot of our current processes kind of hold us back from that, and we know that. And so working in partnership with the military services um, and other OSD components, we are taking a wholesale look on how we can uh, optimize each of these processes to be able to deliver uh, capability. And that will afford the department to be able to have incremental capabilities, be able to build, apps natively in software factories, um, be able to deploy um, to weapon systems, et cetera. So there's a whole gambit of um, incredible folks that are working on this. And these are just some of the principles that we're trying to democratize across the department. Um, We have uh, pockets of excellence. There are some exceptional teams that are the exception right now, but we wanna be able to feed that back into the department and inculcate that as business as usual.
1: Hmm. uh the, the output of all that work that you just talked about, is it a new cloud strategy or is it something else?
2: It will be. So hmm. it will be part of the, uh, it will be called the uh, DoD software modernization strategy. Um, so it will be an evolution to the DoD cloud strategy. And really it's not replacing it in so much as recognizing that we have to have cloud. Cloud adoption is key in order for us to have this incremental um, capability spiraled out. And so um, the cloud strategy served a very important uh, point uh, three years ago, and here we are in 2021, so we need to evolve to be able to um, address future challenges. And so the future challenges are that we need to be more competitive and shore up our competitive edge. And in order to do that, we need to make sure that the capabilities are out to the warfighter as quickly as they can be. Last
1: thing I can think of before we let you go, Um, I'm always a little bit suspicious about attributing everything to the pandemic because I feel like there must have been other ways in which the stars aligned back in March to allow some of this to happen. Like, for example, I think you guys were working on the federated identity piece of this for for quite a while in advance. Were there other kind of enablers that you were just lucky to have in place there at that time?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I I do. I think that... um... What I will attribute to the pandemic was that it served as a catalyst. Um, I think we had a lot of plans in place. We had a, already a lot of partnerships in place, but it the pandemic crystallized the need for us to work more collaboratively together and kind of um, really focused the fact that some of these plans that we had in place were the things that we needed. We were just slow to execute. And so it was it served as that fuel in order for us to be able to either jumpstart the the um, the program or to to cross the finish line,
1: makes sense to me. All right, anything else we didn't cover on this uh, on this topic area? That was about uh, about everything I wanted to hit.
2: Oh, just over on, on a personal uh, note, the pandemic also afforded DoD leadership to become more empathetic and to recognize that. Um, You know, we all present ourselves as our full complement as a person. Um, When the pandemic hit, all of the compartmentalization as employee, parent, etc., kind of fell upon itself. And so the ability to work from remote and have these capabilities in place to ensure that our workforce was safe was paramount to the department. And I think that Moving forward, you're starting to see more empathy in leadership, recognizing that, you know, people are incredibly important. We need to make sure that we take care of them in order for them to execute the mission. Um, And to me, as a leader, I've taken that to heart. I recognize um, how difficult the pandemic was for me, being a mom and having to simultaneously do everything. Um, And that was just about everyone else in the workforce as well. And so it really, I think, humanized the situation a lot more and now that we're bringing more people back you can see that people are really excited to see people um in person and not as a screen or on the voice so there's a, a level of excitement there Um, just on a a personal note, that doesn't have to be fed in, but I just felt I wanted to say that. No, I'm glad
1: you said it (laughs) because it's really interesting. I mean, what's, what's your theory for, for why that happened? Is it partly just that there, there wasn't such a hard barrier between you are now at work, you are now at home. I only see you when you're in the building. And now I realize you have other aspects to your life.
2: I think so. I think, you know, human nature is easy to compartmentalize. And when you're in four walls in your office and you're dealing with office like things, it is easy to get wrapped up in that. And when you go home, your home, you can be with your family. You know that your family is safe, either if it's at school or what have you. But when the pandemic hit, all those compartments fell upon themselves. They were obliterated. And so you were presenting yourself as a parent, as an employee, as a leader, whatever your descriptor was, it was all out there. So there are so many times where you can hear kids crying, dogs barking, cats meowing you know, the two adults kind of talking over each other, trying to balance everything. And it really just humanized the situation. That's
1: exactly the Um, word I was about to use, yep.
2: Right. So I I think, and that's, there's something lovely about that. And I think moving forward, I hope that we're able to harness that that empathy because it's such an important trait for leadership to have.
1: Danielle Metz is the deputy DOD CIO for Information Enterprise. She talked with me by video conference from the Pentagon about the recent shutdown of DOD's commercial virtual remote service offering. And as we discussed earlier in the conversation, the popularity of CVR across the workforce is one of the things that pushed DOD's various components to speed up the plans they already had on the books to move pretty much all their collaboration tools to the cloud. To wrap up the show, in our last few minutes, we're going to share the Navy's example. The Navy was already working on an Office 365 implementation, but as of last November, the estimated transition date was about two years away. With CVR shutdown on the horizon, officials realized they needed to get it done by this June. But as Susan Breyer-Joyner, the deputy Navy CIO, told a Navy IT conference last month, there's still a lot of work to do before the Navy transitions the entire workforce to its 365 environment, which officials have been calling Operation Flank Speed.
0: Today, CVR is operating on a waiver that allows us to process low-impact, controlled, unclassified information in a lower security environment. This new environment that we're going to, flank speed, will not have that waiver, and we're taking a very deliberate approach to make sure that we are properly protecting what is called the um, CUI-specified, so think NNPI, law enforcement sensitive, initially some of the high-impact PII and PHI. Those will not be available to, or not approved to process in the flank speed environment initially. Again, we're looking for CVR replacement capabilities, including the data level. We are working very hard with the particular data owners to then add the additional um, classifications of C, or not classifications, Um, specifications of CUI to make sure that it reaches its full IL-5 potential to protect data. So that's across the top. And then you'll see enable and move. And we split this up because the enable lets folks access the capabilities without actually migrating over. This harkens back to my point. We are making sure that you have access to CVR replacement capabilities. We had to break it up for two reasons. The timeline is very compressed and our infrastructure is very old. So what you don't see reflected on this chart, are all of the infrastructure upgrades, all of the analysis, the censoring that's going on right now between PEO Digital, PMW 205, NetWARCOM and Microsoft, to make sure that we understand across our enterprise where the infrastructure is not ready to support full Office 365 functionality. It is important that we do this deliberately so we don't deny ourselves services and that we don't break the network. And then now down at the bottom, you will see it's hidden, but these are some key dates. CVR shutdown on 15 June. The NMCI Office 365 cloud goes away the end of September because that's when we stop. That's when the funding runs out. And then we will have divestments associated with legacy architecture standing down, data centers collapsing because the data will be able to move into flank speed as we get the various levels of CUI approved. And so, when I talk about the break between the enablement and the move, you'll see even there that there are two phases because we don't know what the network will be able to sustain. If we could be assured that the telework posture would remain about what it is today, which is 40 to 60% of the workforce is teleworking every day, we could absolutely give everybody access tomorrow. But we don't know that and we can't guarantee that. We have to plan for the worst case scenario.